This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Episode 64, Season 3 of the Dan Mission Podcast. It's Greg in studio. It's Justin from New York. It's last week in New York. He's back. Obviously, we had a bit of a monologue last episode. But, Justin, how are we doing? How was the uh, how was the exam season? It's always a grind, but you're through it. How are you feeling, my man? Man, this the, the exam season grind, all the students are going to be able to rate, like, relate to this. It's, it's just... It's mentally grinding, physically grinding. It's one of those things where, I mean, for me, I didn't have too bad of, a, of an exam week. <clears throat> I had two in-person written exams. I had three projects. One one was a paper. Um, I had a presentation at the end. And it's just something where Monday Monday to Friday, especially when, when the exam schedule puts you the whole week, um, you're just nonstop. You're just nonstop on the books. Like, like you have to find times to kind of like watch a watch an NHL game or something, or get out, maybe play nine holes in the evening, just to break your get mind break. off it. Yeah. But man, like you don't you don't sleep as good because your mind is active all day, and it just end of the week. It just ends up being get me get me through the end, and, and you're not as much of like okay, here we go, dialed in, and you're just like get me to the end. I don't know. For me. We had uh, exam Tuesday, Wednesday. So I finished two projects before the Tuesday, Wednesday, wrote the two exams, had a presentation on Friday, on Friday, uh, midday, one thirty. Um, so what we had to do was create a uh, PowerPoint slide on a cryptocurrency and, and write a six to eight page paper on it as well. Um, so we bang out the paper, get that done first, going to do our presentation slides based on that. We start this thing. We have all day Thursday. We started Wednesday night, got, got like the outline done. Thursday, we bang out most of it. We wake up Friday morning. We meet in the, in the student center, uh, me and my partner there, guy on my team. And I, and we're just saying like, ah, oh, man, like wish we had a little bit more like detail on what we should do here. Um, just so we had some more structure to it. So it gets to be like 10, 30, 11. My buddy's got to go drive another one of our teammates to the airport. Uh, so we were going to break for about 30 minutes and I'm looking on the school, uh, on our class website, presentation guidelines. I'm like, Oh, oh okay. Okay, I open this thing up and it's got a full outline and a full setup of how this thing's supposed to cover, what's supposed to cover. And it was just put it in attack mode from there, scrap what we had and go at this new guideline and outline. Oh my goodness. And yeah. it was nonstop right till one. It was like a 115. Finish it, submit it. We go in there, we bang out the presentation. It was phenomenal. It worked out really well. The teacher loved it. So we, we did get it done and we got it done well. But uh, just one of those things where you almost miss uh, a, a rubric or guideline like that. But, hey, the, all the students out there, you've been through it. Everyone has one of those uh, situations. But just glad it's over is really all your mind could say when you finish it up. Absolutely. I mean, it's I, I always struggle to kind of, you know, after being done six years of, of, of you know, university, I'm like, you know, I, I look back. And I'm like, if I sat down for any of the exams that I wrote, I would flunk 
every single one of them. Like it, there is, <laughs> you know, there is some practicality to school and I, I'm not against the system. I really do think that everyone should go get an education and everyone, you know, it's a nice, uh, you know, separation in terms of, you know, showing your capabilities, showing your, you know, your, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of good things that come with school, but the testing yep. is, is one that, uh, that can be definitely debated. I do like that paper presentation style because you do mm -hmm. have to, you know, you have to prove your knowledge. You know, you can't just stand up in front of yeah. a crowd and talk about something that you don't really know about. I do like that. But the whole like three hour exam period, I don't I didn't love those yeah. at all. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, but yeah, it's uh, I'm happy you're through it, man. I'm happy that you know, you've got the summer to look forward to, obviously, the job and lots of golf. And, uh, you know, we'll continue banging out daily information content. Uh, but I will say as well on the pregame show here. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's um, Day, yeah. You know, I know, uh, you know, I wouldn't be the person I am today without my mom. And, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's always a fun day to, to celebrate, uh, you know, mothers around the world. And obviously social media blows up with everybody showing photos of, of uh, uh, their mom and, 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 and even significant others at, at my age. Uh, but um, no, man, it's uh, it, it's been a, a wild weekend in sports. Obviously, we're kind of narrowing down in the NBA and NHL, which we'll get into. We're going to start off in quarter one with a bit of a miscellaneous quarter here. Talking about the PGA Tour. Uh, the soccer world with the Premier League and Champions League. And we've got the first major of the tennis circuit uh, just around the corner, about a week away. Uh, then we'll move into the NHL in quarter two, uh, NBA in quarter three. We'll bring it home in the MLB in quarter four. Halftime show, as a, you know, as the guy who kind of you know maps out and, and sends the out and adjusts, I didn't include a halftime show. Once we're done quarter two in the NHL, we'll decide, you know, maybe if we want to dive into something. <laughs> uh, but let's get right into quarter one, Justin. Let's get into it. We're going to talk about the PGA Tour, the soccer world, uh, and tennis. And I mean, you got to be happy for a guy like Jason Day. So Jason Day, for all the listeners, um, you know, not familiar, he's a former number one player in the world. He's just a lovable guy. He's an Australian guy. He dealt with vertigo. Uh, he hasn't won in five years on tour. And this week, the Byron Nelson in Texas, he ends up winning. Um, he lost his mom about a year ago, so obviously yesterday was Mother's Day. He lost her to lung cancer. Just a huge win for him. He's got five kids. I was really happy to see Jason Day win. He's having a great year on tour. It seems like he's got his game back. Um, our picks, there was, we're kind of back-to-back -back weeks on guys sniffing around but not being able to break yeah. through for some outright winners. But uh, awesome to see Jason Day win, Justin. Yeah, I agree. And he's, like you, you already mentioned, he's someone who hasn't really won in a little bit. Um, but he was the man not too long ago. He was the man. And it's awesome to see those guys kind of stick around and, and be back at it. And, you know, like <clears throat> what I liked about it too, for Jason Day the last, last little bit is he's been just silently grinding. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't been someone who's been uh, blowing up on the course, blowing up in, in the press or nothing like that. He's just been kind of doing his thing, uh, continue to try to get back to where he was. And it paid off really great. Um, everyone still loves him too. And, and, and that's awesome to see, but, uh, yeah, in terms of the rest of the field and and our picks, I mean, like you have it here, like Dow Do Do Dou. I don't know. I don't want to mispronounce that too much. The but Chang Dude is storming. Oh, storming in this tournament, and he went so low so fast. Again, I, I I mean, I didn't see it coming. I'm not sure too many people did, but that was something that just threw you in, in a field that is a pretty decent field. Um, and, and it was just something crazy to see. I th again, and with our picks. If this is something right now where we're just we are still just pumping out top tens and top fives oh, at, yeah. a, at a high rate right now, so uh, I think the the arch had a, had a phenomenal weekend again. Uh, that's two in a row for him, but um, yeah, we're, we're still storming. And now we got a major. Hey, so far we're one and one, one for one on the majors right now with uh, Ryan and the Masters. So uh, 
if we're picking between me, you, and Arch for making these picks, my pick is Arch to get the next winner. That's who I think is going to be hot on it. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited. Like I said, like I was saying to Greg here just quick, like <clears throat> I'm here in Rochester, went to Oak Hill uh, just as we get into the PGA Championship. They had a grand opening and they had a massive store set up there. And you walk into this place, you get shuttled in for one. Obviously, it's in a nice little neighborhood, so they don't let you drive in. They got 200 plus people there just on a Saturday afternoon, like leaf blowing the course, making sure everything is absolutely prime and perfect. It is unbelievable. Like they have nonstop work, nonstop care. I think they had one group playing on it because sometimes they get those like media outlets and stuff to kind of advertise the course in the week leading up. So I think that that's all they had on there. This thing looked absolutely pristine and it made me so jacked up for a major coming up here man i'm so excited yeah so it's a nice transition we've got the second major of the season the pga championship the wanamaker trophy at oak hill and yeah justin got to go on the grounds if you haven't seen it go check out his tiktok he put up a nice video of the pop-up shop and and we were talking about it before the episode. I mean, how exciting it is for a course like Oak Hill. I mean, these PGA Championships, the U.S. Opens, another one. Well, they open all three of them outside of Augusta National. No, they rotate. And, and once this course gets yep. notified, okay, 2023, you're hosting. It's all hands on deck. Like, I'm assuming they've they've hired, you know, 20, 30 more extra uh, hands uh, for the grounds crew. They're just getting things so dialed in for this major. I mean, I, I can't even imagine the preparation for this golf course. And, and they're so excited to host. And it was back in 2013, the last time they hosted the PGA Championship. Jason Duffner uh, ended up winning that tournament. So uh, how much the golf world has changed in the last 10 years. Um but, I mean, this is a huge event. It's so exciting. The major weeks, all of the big names will be there. All of the big names from the Live Tour will be there that qualified. Um, and, uh, you know, how are you feeling about this one, Justin? I've got some picks that I'm really, you know, that I really like. Um, but I just will, before we get into it, on the Live Tour, Dustin Johnson ends up winning. I know we don't want to like to talk about the Live yeah. Tour, but pre-major, we have to note this, that, that yeah. Dustin Johnson won. Cam Smith came yeah. runner-up. Brooks Kepka was right there in the mix. Those guys are trending. Those guys... I mean, how can you look past Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, especially Brooks Kepka after his performance at Augusta National, and Cam Smith, all of these guys in form coming into this championship? I mean, it's I mean, uh, that, wide open. Is that, Yeah, is that something we're going to learn quick from the, from the live tours? Like, we look at going into the Masters and Kepka won. Yep. And, and like it's it's we got to remember here though like the fields the fields in the live tour. I know they've gotten better obviously in the last year year or so, um, but I don't know like is the comp like. I feel like we're going to just continue to see one of these uh, like superstar kind of guys that went from the PGA tour to live being the winners before majors, right? Like, like we're probably not going to see a ton of, I don't know that the live is built where a depth guy is going to be winning. Like Charles held the third, Charles held the third is not going to win yeah. the week before the PGA championship. That's what I I'm see saying. What you're saying. So it's like, yeah. so I'm saying like, are we going to be going into every major with these guys with a superstar winning? Probably, but advantage to to live guys possibly to have that confidence have that morale boost to be like hey i finished top five going into a major i finished top two three like i won going into like regardless of the field that's a huge positive for them whereas you have a guy like scheffler per se uh who's going into an event had a great finish but he's thinking he should win that event and he doesn't win it where he might in another event or not even scheffler you look at someone else uh further down the leaderboard who's still a high quality player finishing maybe 16th, 17th, 18th, because maybe the field is still deeper in the PGA Tour. Again, might be an advantage for them. I'm not sure I'm fully sold on the the live guys coming across and winning majors uh, uh, just at a high rate, <clears throat> but 
it is something to look out for. Absolutely. No, there's no questions about it. I mean, it, I, I, you have you can't look past the fact that that Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and Cam Smith are feeling good about their games. I mean, that yeah. I, just to me, for me, that's just like those guys are going to make the cut. Those guys are going to be, you know, kind of in the mix. I, I would say one of those three is certainly going to be there on Sunday. Uh, but like you said, Scotty Scheffler had a decent. I mean, he he's right there. I mean, he 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 kind of you know yeah. tidies things up down the stretch. Uh, has a better shot even into 18. And uh, he could be, you know, in a playoff with Jason Day. So Scotty Scheffler's a guy as well. He's feeling really good about his game. I'm not looking past John Rahm. And we'll see about Rory. But, I mean, I guess we'll yep. get into some picks here. These could change. These yep. are, these are you know, these aren't set in stone. But I'm looking at three guys that uh, I certainly will sprinkle a little change on. Um, I like their odds. And I'm going to start things off with a guy by the name of Richard Ricky Fowler. I love Ricky Fowler. He's plus 7,500 this wow. week. He played here in, 20, uh, in 2013. I think he had a top 20 finish. He's a guy who's trending. He's like Jason Day. He's he, We've seen him fall down to almost the basement of the PGA Tour. Now he's back in the top 50 yeah. in the world. Now he's climbing. He's feeling good about his game. And we've seen him compete in major championships. It wasn't that long ago where he came top five in every single major in a single season. I like Ricky Fowler to kind of poke around. I don't know if he can win, but at plus 7,500, that's worth a toonie, in my opinion, to get to like 150 bucks back. 100%. I, I, I would love to see Ricky back. Like, yeah, like you said, we talk about Jason Day. <laughs> talk about a fan base media uh, that a uh, frenzy would be if oh, Ricky gosh. Fowler's winning a major. So um, I got two names here myself. Still, uh, like you said, still a little bit of time uh, before locked in. Max Homa and Sam Burns. They're side-by-side side, uh, right now as well. But these are two guys way up there. They're top, they're top 10 in the, in the world ranking right now. They're playing great golf. Uh, Sam Burns missed a cut more recently, but the three rounds before that, he was finishing top 15. So I love that from him. Homa's had a great season. Homa's been phenomenal all season. And, and for me, the two things I'm looking at with these two guys, uh, putting and, and around the greens, Again, went to this course, went to this grounds. One thing that stood out for me, man, how wide open this thing is. Off the tee box, it's not going to be something I don't think where um, left to right is too much of an issue. It's honestly the biggest the biggest obstacle in between uh, uh, holes in terms of fairway, rough to fairway, is the gallery. This thing isn't loaded with trees. It's not loaded with uh, 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 uh pine straw or wood chips, whatever you you want to say, like it's rough. And obviously rough isn't as good as the fairway. I'm not saying that by any means, but you're not going to be in too much trouble here off the tee. Um, if, if you have the ability to recover. Um, so I, I think Holman Burns, I'm locking in those two right now in terms of uh, what I'm kind of putting my eyes on, but we'll see getting closer to it and, and see how guys progress throughout the week. But I, I'm liking Holman Burns. I like it. Two more uh, as long as Ricky's kind of my long shot, but then I like Justin Thomas yeah. as well. Uh, obviously the defending champion at the PGA Championship was nine strokes back going into Sunday last year and ended up getting it done. You know, he's kind of trending in the right direction right now, plus 2,200. And then Cam Smith, I can't look by Cam Smith at plus 3,000. We yeah. saw him play well last week. He said he was vocal about it uh, pre-Augusta, that he wasn't feeling amazing about his game. Obviously that has changed. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Justin, with uh, Cam Smith. I like to listen to these yep. guys' interviews before the week, and I don't know that sounds funny, but I do like to listen to see how they're feeling about their game, their confidence, how they're carrying it for themselves. And obviously Jordan Spieth, that's a guy we're going to have to look into. How's his wrist feeling? He backed out of the Byron Nelson, and this is the guy. He could, he could become the fifth or the yeah. sixth player ever to win uh, the uh, the four uh, majors. So I guess uh, keep an eye on Instagram. We'll be previewing yep. the PGA Championship. We'll give out our best bets on Wednesday. 
Um, and then on Friday, we'll kind of break down the opening round and we'll, we'll, we'll do a, a bit of a leaderboard check. Um, sure. let's move into the soccer world, Justin. It's, um, how did, uh, how did the champions league and premier league go? I mean, what should we, uh, you know, what should we be following? What should we be uh, up to date with in the soccer world? Absolutely electric champions league semifinal first leg. First, obviously it was man city real. That, that's the big one. Like we said in the last one, those two teams are primed to win this whole thing based on who wins the semifinal. And we had a 1-1 first leg in in Real uh, Madrid. Absolute, I want to say, chess match of a game in terms of these two teams. I know some soccer fans might not uh, understand the aspects of, of the low-scoring soccer games, but these are two teams with absolutely phenomenal strikers. Erling Holland for Man City, Vin, uh, Vinicius Jr. for uh, Real Madrid. But these two teams are also primed with unbelievable defenders. And Kyle Walker matching up with Vinny Jr. is an absolute mess. Like, think about the best cornerback going up against the best, like, wide receiver. That's what this kind of game is like. So it's going to be something where you might only see, like, three catches for, like, 70 yards. But every time the ball is snapped on a passing play, it's a, it's a, it's a chess match. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. what this game is. DeBron, unbelievable goal to tie the game up where it wasn't looking great for Man City. And I'll, I'll remind the non-soccer fans a little bit. It's it's two games. Most goals uh, in two games win. So Man City was looking like they are going to lose one nothing. DeBron from outside the box, absolute missile. It's, again, equivalent of a absolute one-T bomb from the blue line is basically what happened here uh, to tie this game up. So we go back to Man City here for the next leg. It's going to be another tight one. Man City's obviously a lot more favored being in Manchester uh, uh, for this game. So I think it's going to be Man City. The other game was a blowout uh, in the soccer. It was a two nothing Inter Milan win, but it wasn't that. It wasn't looking like it was going to be close. It kind of got on quick. Um, so that for me, pretty well seals the deal for Inter Milan. Uh, Inter Milan moving to the final. Uh, for me to think that AC Milan is going to beat a rival like this uh, three uh, by three goals, I'm not seeing it. So my prediction: Man City. Th- uh, that game's on Wednesday. Man City to the final. Into the final. That's going to be a Champions League final. Uh, but we'll see. That Man City Real Madrid game is going to be absolute fireworks because uh, it ends there. That's the thing with soccer. It's two legs, most goals. But if we have a tie, we're going to see extra time. We're going to see penalty kicks. It's going to be electric. I love it, man. I love it. So, no, it's, it's exciting. So, we got the Champions League final going to be set after this week with Tuesday, Wednesday. So, we got a, a tie. So, that Man City, uh, Man City Real Madrid game is going to be unreal. Uh, obviously, tied. So, that whatever the outcome of that next game is will be the outcome of the series, of the aggregate two-game series. And then you said, yeah. so uh, Inter Milan will have to lose by more than than uh, two goals. So they if, have to if lose it, by three. Yeah. So AC Milan... Yeah, they have to lose their two-goal lead. So Milan could win 2-1, and, and Inter Milan still wins. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that's going to be exciting for, for all the football fans, all the soccer fans. And I did, well, I, I guess uh, just to close up the quarter here, we've got Roland Garros, the French Open this week. Uh, Nadal's been dealing with a hip injury. We know Nadal is just an absolute monster on the clay courts at the French Open. It's almost a lock yeah. that he wins when he's playing healthy. So it sounds like he's going to play. Uh, Nikolai Djokovic, obviously another guy we have to watch. He's got the most major wins in men's tennis history. I mean, he's certainly going to be in the mix. And then this young kid, yeah. he's the number one ranked tennis player in the world, Alcaraz. He's a Spanish guy as well. I'm assuming that he's very, very comfortable on the uh, on the French court so he might be a guy this Alcaraz kid he might be a guy worth betting on if his odds are a little bit more juicy than Djokovic so. and Nadal he could be a guy to look at to sprinkle on the women's side we got uh, Iga Swiatek she won here last year she's the number one female in the world 
And then I want to talk about Jessica Pagula. She's the daughter of the owner of the Sabres and the Bills, and she's the number third yep. ranked women's tennis player in the world. Pretty cool that uh, that she's there, and um, you know we'll see how she does. But I think Iga Swiatek is is going to be the player to beat at the at the French Open on the women's side. Yeah, just on the men's side, um, I, have a, I have a tennis guy. I don't know if, if you do, but I got a tennis guy, and this guy is an absolute <laughs> book on tennis. And he, he's telling me there's only there's three guys, if they play, are going to win it. It's obviously Nadal dealing with the injury, but it's Nadal if he plays, it's Jokovic if he plays, and it's Alcrest. Okay. With, with two of those, those guys hurt, he says there's two names to maybe take a look at here with those injuries. It's Yannick Sinner. Okay. And Holger Run. Okay. Holger Run. R U N E and Center, obviously. Those are two guys. You might need to uh you might need to take an extra peek at those two guys to be uh, dark horses with injuries, but uh um that's that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm being told. Okay, I like it. I mean we'll we'll go to your tennis guy. I mean, obviously I'll I'll follow the majors, I'll follow Wimbledon in the US Open and yeah. outside of that, the APT tour is not high on my radar. Um, but it's the French Open. We know that uh, the Spaniards are going to play well, and we know that Djokovic is going to be there. But uh, I'm happy that I had those three names down because your tennis guy's on them. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, you we'll see what. Dialed. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, but that's miscellaneous. That's quarter one, folks. And let's move into the NHL uh, in quarter two here, Justin. And we'll, we'll start things off by talking about the Ottawa Senators. Obviously, during my monologue, I talked a little bit about what was going on in Ottawa and the disappointment with Ryan Reynolds announcing that he was going to be out on the bid with the Remington group. Um, I know that Snoop and the Nico Sparks group have reached out to Ryan Reynolds and said, listen, come on, you know, be a part of our uh, bid. Uh, the bids are due, I think, this week uh, for the Ottawa Senators. What do you think about Ryan Reynolds backing out? And how do you see this going? Because I think that that's a big loss for Ottawa. I do think that it's going to help that market a lot if they have a, you know, a promoter or, or you know, a, a kind of a, yeah. a Hollywood face attached to that franchise. Yeah, I agree. And, and Reynolds, we talked about, was, was going to be a huge piece of that Canadian icon uh, already an owner in sports teams. Again, not a, not, he's not going to own the whole thing, but just being a face and ambassador there, he's has so much experience with that and so much success. Obviously Wrexham got promotion in soccer and this guy's, I don't know his soccer background compared to him growing up in Canada with hockey. So I got to think he would have been a great addition, but I don't know if you saw, I saw Snoop Dogg talk about uh, uh, his potential ownership in the setters. And he's 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 got big plans. Like Snoop Dogg isn't just putting some money in this thing and and enjoying being an owner. He's got plans to. He wants to seriously grow the game of hockey in community in communities that he said he grew up in, and, and he grew up in a community that never knew about hockey or played hockey, and there's no opportunity to play it. So I think that's just nothing but great for the game. Um, I think the the difference with Reynolds would be the impact it would have on Canadian fan base and et cetera. But if you're really taking a step back and, and, and I watched that video and I consider like Canada's always going to have their fan base. It's not going to be something we have to be too worried about. Whereas Snoop's right, man. Like a lot of the U S is an untapped market still. And it, it would be something to have a different generation of athletes coming into the game of hockey in the U S and, if it if it works out that Snoop's the owner and and these plans kind of go through with success and Snoop has the opportunity to create these leagues, uh, create this this uh, new opportunity and and marketing for the NHL within the U.S. and these these markets that there has been opportunity, man, that, that that's great for the game, great for the Senators, and um, I think it's a good alternative if you're looking at Reynolds coming out and maybe Snoop Dogg being the owner for sure. I honestly I think that Snoop 
for for the game of hockey and to diversify the game in, in, in the different races and demographics, they don't have access to the game. Like you said, I think Snoop is probably the guy you want. Um, yeah. And like you said, Canadians are always going to watch hockey. It's the it's the, the you know the 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 the, the different um, you know demographics and, and pockets of people in the United States that you know we need to give access to the game. It needs to be diversified, and that's something that hockey struggled with. Um, but I think it's getting better, and I think that Snoop Dogg would do a great job. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And, yeah, Sorry, go ahead. why can't Reynolds? Why can't Reynolds hop in on that group? I, I mean, think he should for sure. Yeah, I don't think yeah. Snoop or Ryan Reynolds were going to be forking out majority of the money or like there's any like, I mean, I guess I don't know how the legal stuff works in terms of him being with a different bid and I don't know how that works maybe. Yeah. But how can it be a bad thing for Snoop Dogg's uh, ownership group say, hey, Reynolds, you want to put $5 million to us or whatever, 50, whatever the price is to yeah. be an ambassador of some sort? I mean, I thought if we had Snoop and Ryan Reynolds, that is just... I mean that's a win-win. And I, I've looked at the uh, the Nico Sparks with Grant Fear is a, you know another yeah. former Black hockey player. He's in that group as well. Um, yep. you know, the Nico Sparks group is awesome. And and uh, yeah, I mean I would think that these guys they're not they're like they're not buying the team. They're going to have a percentage of equity. No, yeah. I mean we're looking at you know probably around that five ten percent. I mean if it's going to be a billion yeah. dollar deal, which is rumored to be like that's a hundred million dollars for ten percent. I mean you know f- you wow. know fifty schmil for for five yeah. percent. I mean we're looking at so we'll see what happens. I I hope that they do end up getting an ambassador like. Um, like Snoop or, or, you know, it doesn't sound like Ryan Reynolds unless he hops in with that group is going to be involved. The weekend is another guy as well. Who's, uh, who's involved with another one of the groups. So I'm not sure how this goes down. Like I do, do the, um, gosh, what's the former owner of the, uh, of the Ottawa senators. It's, um, uh, his name has escaped me. The two daughters of, uh, oh gosh. Anyway, is it, yeah. do they go for the highest bid? Is that automatically what's going to win? Or do they take into account the, you know, the, the situation, the, like just kind of these, these promotional, you know, um, ambassadors, you know, just the, the future of the team and in the hands, or are they just going purely for financial? Is, is, um, yeah. Is there, bid? well, here's, I got two questions for that. Is there a board? Like, I know it's, they own the team, but again, do they own a hundred percent of the team? Like, is there not, is there maybe a board or a group as well in there? Like, yeah, that, that have a say as well. I don't know. And then the other question I ask is, are they, is it a hundred percent sale or can they sell the team, but still own like 10, 10% as themselves and have like yeah. the share of the team as well, where if that's the case, now we could talk like we, that there's a debate right there. If we really wanted to, if, if the, the highest bids 1.2 billion 1.2 billion say and the next offer is 1 billion but the next offer has of 1 billion has snoop Reynolds in the weekend are you making more money like are you going to make up that 0.2 billion whatever 200 uh, million on that ownership group being better than the other yeah i think there's that, that that's i wonder if that's a decision they got to make well yeah gary batman has to be involved like they like they're and all is the owners as well because it's an, it's an an exclusive group of 32 kind of parties owning these teams in the NHL. Um, you know, you'd have yep. to think that, uh, is it 32? I think it is. Um, yeah, right there, yeah. So, I mean, you'd have to think that like the daughters of the former owner of the Ottawa centers, they don't have the full say of saying, yeah, these are, this is the build we're accepting. And this is the, these are the individuals you're bringing in to be a part of the ownership of the NHL. So I think there's that yeah, process is a little bit more complicated, but yeah, I hope that, uh, I hope that they get an ambassador. I really do without of senators. Yeah. Uh, and I will mention this before we move into the playoff series that I do think that they've got to be strategic with, you know, say Snoop does become the ambassador for the Ottawa senators as a part owner. 
don't make it the Snoop Dogg show. Like, have a lot of Snoop do his things outside of yeah. of the the NHL. And but when it comes puck drop, make it about the Ottawa Senators. Don't show Snoop yeah. Dogg every game in the box. Make this about the Ottawa Senators and everything outside of the games is you can involve Snoop. Yeah, maybe bring him in for like some of the lowly games, yeah. like two or three games in a season. He could do that little broadcast bit where he's yes. in there for a period, and that's it. Like, like bring him in in the Ottawa versus Arizona game in Ottawa. You know what I mean? Like stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But you're right. I don't. I don't want to see him opening night against the Leafs, and it's like Snoop for 60 minutes in the yeah. box. Every doing commercial whatever, break, whatever, every you know stoppage, I mean? we're getting the shot of Snoop. Yeah. It's like that's a bit but much to me. I. I agree, but yep. I would love playoff hockey to see Snoop oh. like Will Ferrell on the glass. You yeah. know what I mean? I'd like to see that. Hundred percent. Right? I think I, I think it's exciting time for Ottawa Senators fans, and we'll see what happens on that front. But let's move in to the NHL playoffs because we've got uh, one. Uh, well, we've got the Eastern Conference final set, and we were waiting on the Eastern Conference uh, finals. Just one team. We've got a game seven tonight, uh, but the Florida Panthers take care of the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game Five. I mean, OT, Nick Cousins goes down. You got uh, you got Gudis go. Is there a little interference in that play? Who knows? He toe drags, puts it in the, kind of banks it in off Joseph Wall. Robrovsky has 50 saves. You just didn't get a lot from the Toronto big guns. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Panthers stay hot. I mean, what did you see from this series, Justin? Uh, first things first, because I'm going to, it's on my head. I, I'm, I'm not thrilled with it. NHL is my, that's my game. Obviously I play yep. hockey myself and, and, and the NHL is my game. What are you thinking? And what do you think Batman's thinking when the conference finals are going to be Vegas, either Seattle or Dallas Panthers and Carolina. And that, that means you could have had Leafs Rangers. You could have had Edmonton uh, avalanche. You could have Edmonton Dallas or something like that. And now we're sitting near Vegas, possibly Seattle, Panthers, and Carolina. Like I, I just, I, I'm not. I'm gonna watch it either way. I'm an NHL guy. Yeah. But like the what ifs that we, just insane. It's yeah, it sucks for sure. But I mean, you know, I, I don't know how much you can do about it. I I am a little displeased because I think that goal from Morgan Riley does change the heartbeat of the game. I think that went in the net. I think we can all agree that that was a goal. I agree. Um, I was surprised yep. that they brought that back. Uh, I thought there was a few penalties throughout the game as well, and I don't want to make excuses for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but that hit from Sam Bennett on Morgan Riley that was clearly interference. He had, took a huge lick out of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of you know the compelling storylines in the NHL, were dwindling down into teams that you really didn't expect to make it this far. Um, but you can't take anything away from the Florida Panthers. They are playing amazing hockey right now, and they are on a heater. They've caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah. They're the eighth seed, and they will meet the Carolina Hurricanes in the uh, in the conference finals. But um, you know, we we can talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, what went wrong, you know, and we can right now. But if you want to hear what Justin and I would do if we were Kyle Dubas or if we were hired after Kyle Dubas was fired. Go check out on YouTube. Uh, it'll be on uh, probably later today, if not tomorrow morning. The general fanager. We're going to start breaking down what we would we do in the off seasons uh, if we were, uh, you know, on the management team of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, you need more at Austin yeah. Matthews, Mitch Marner, and John sure. Tavares in the grand scheme of things, man. You need more yeah. of those guys. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, uh, I mean, one name comes to mind, and it's Bobrovsky, man. Like fifty saves on fifty-two shots. Yep. It, um, uh, it's hard for me not to say that he he what he carried Florida because I mean they had a lot of great offense production from like Verhage. Um, obviously Kachuk kept rolling. 
Montour has been great in this playoffs. But this series for me was was Bobrovsky. Like these are fairly low scoring games the whole time, and Leafs had a lot of great opportunity. Obviously, their firepower is their offense. Bobrovsky, man, it, it just shows time and time again. No matter when or where he is in, in through the regular season, when it comes playoff time, he's gonna be a factor, and that's what Florida's got right now. They have a hot goalie who's been there before with a team that just plays such a hard nose, fast game of hockey. And it's something the Leafs just couldn't match. The Leafs didn't have the goaltending to match and they didn't have, it seemed like the intensity, which is crazy, but that's a part of the game. And, and Florida's loving this run. They are on a historic run right now through the first two rounds. Yeah. This time and space, it just, it hit, it, it, it just goes down so much in the playoffs. And I found that that's just something that Mitch Marner and, and Austin Matthews struggled to do is find time and space. And we know how deadly yeah. those players are when you give them time and space. But they just couldn't find it in the playoffs. And Austin Matthews, for example, he did have a couple quality shots, I found, like, in Game 5. Like, he did have, you know, a few good opportunities. But in regard to, you know, what we see from that guy in the regular season, didn't see much of it. Yeah. And, uh, I know Mitch Marner had the points maybe to back it up, but I don't think he had as a big impact on the game as he probably could. But, no, we'll get into it on YouTube uh, for a YouTube video. We'll chop it up and, and give you some previews uh, for Instagram and TikTok. But we're really going to dive into this Toronto Maple Leafs team and you know what we see, um, you know, what could help them out uh, moving forward. Because they are, you know, as much as we hate to say it, they're probably the most captivating team in the National Hockey League. They've got the biggest Crazy. fan base, and they just, they just can't get it done year after year. So... <laughs> Trying to leave the Maple Leafs are out. The Florida Panthers will move on to take on the Carolina, uh, Pan uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, which we'll get into. But let's move into this next series. The Seattle Kraken. They've yep. stayed alive, Justin. We've got Game 7 tonight, but they had a big Game 6 win. Um, Ottinger, he's just been riding the roller coaster. He was pulled after 18 shots on goal. He had four goals against uh, the Kraken. Double up the Stars at home, 6-3. to three. Game 7 tonight, I'm assuming you, you go Ottinger. You can't go Wedgwood. Yeah. Do the Kraken have the ability? Are we going to have an all-expansion Western Conference final? How are you seeing this Game Seven is going to go tonight? So, again, it's been the way the whole playoffs has gone. When you beat a team pretty soundly, you're going to get beat pretty soundly in return. So I'm pretty hesitant to say that I love Seattle, which I do love Seattle, but it's in Dallas. Ottinger kind of got a wake-up call here with this, with this game, um, and he's had a couple of them, I think, already. Yep. I, it's I mean again I, I'm I think I'm gonna go Dallas it, it's it's a part of hockey where um answering after a big loss is something that's not that hard to do um it's something that kind of helps you a lot of the times when you kind of get that stunner of a loss it, it, it's when you blow a team out it tends to be a lot easier for the team that got blown out to get up for that next game than for yourself because you're you got it in your head. Man, those guys weren't as good as us. They couldn't handle us. They're they're not able to skate with us. Uh, every shot we have goes in when you score a six, right? Like, and those aren't realistic things when you're playing in the second round of the NHL playoffs in Game Seven against a team with Dallas Dallas's experience. That locker room in Dallas is going to be so dialed. Might not be a lot of chatter uh, leading up to this Game Seven because every single guy in that room has something to answer for from last game. For that reason, I'm taking Dallas. I think the big part of this is going to be Dallas is going to score first because of how that game went, and they're going to want to make a statement early. And when Dallas gets on the scoreboard early, I think they're a lot of, uh, a different team here, especially in Game 7. I'm going to go with Dallas. I'm going to say 
4-2 game with an empty net for Dallas. Okay. I like it. I'm on Dallas as well. Uh, I just think that they have that leadership in that group. It just, it almost feels like this could be Dallas's year. Um, you know, you think yeah. about that room with the Wiley veterans of Sagan and Ben and Pavelski and Suter, you know, um, it does feel like this, this team that they, you know, they, they just need to get past this hump. Obviously it's going to be a huge game seven and, and I wouldn't be surprised one bit if Seattle gets it done. They've just been getting it done. You know, we, we continue to yeah. not maybe give them as much love as we should, but you know, they've got the, 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 the more veteran presence in Dallas. They've got the guys with experience and, I mean, this. The, if you, we talk about it, if you're a Seattle Kraken fan, if you're a part of that management, you have to be just thrilled with how these guys have responded. And, um, I do want to talk about Tolvanen for a minute. Like, what were the Nashville yeah. Predators thinking about waving that guy midway through the season? He's been fantastic. He pops up. You know, I don't know how many points he has in the playoffs. You know, eight, you know, around that number, but three points in, in, in game six. And Eli Tolvanen is a guy that I think Nashville's probably smacking themselves going, what the heck were we thinking here? Um... Okay, and the, and the final series it, from from round two, the Edmonton Oilers, the team that I had a future bet on, the team that Justin and I were extremely bullish on yep. to go on a huge run, yep. and I mean, you look you look at their roster pre playoffs, and you're like, well, there's only really one gaping issue, and it's between the pipes. What are you going to get from Stuart Skinner? What are you going to get from Jack Campbell? And I mean. 13 saves and 17 shots in a, you know, a, a winner, you know, winner die, winner go home game. It's just not going to be good enough from a guy like Stuart Skinner. And, you know, you look at a guy like Aiden Hill comes in, big goalie, almost a third string type goalie for yeah. uh, the, the Vegas Golden Knights. He has 40 some saves and, and just, it's the day ones for Vegas who are heroes. Jonathan Marshall, so yeah. hat trick, Will, William Carlson, awesome Riley, Riley Smith. The day ones in Vegas get it done. The team that is more tested than, than Edmonton, and they find themselves, they book a ticket uh, to, to the Western Conference Finals. But it's upsetting for Edmonton. I think Edmonton fans have to be devastated. Oh, th- this has to be the worst so far. For sure it does. I mean, and last year they went to the Conference Final yep. uh, and got swept. But this is this is much worse. This is much, much worse. And I'm just touching them quick because we could go on on for an hour about these two. Leon Drysaddle's playoff careers career so far, 49 games, 77 points. Connor McDavid, 49 games, 75 points. They are Absolutely top 30 outrageous. in active players for, for point production, and they're not even close to the games played. Some of these guys are at 150 games that are like below them now. It's it's and and you have nothing to show for it. You yeah. don't have a cup final appearance in nine seasons from these guys. They're, McDavid's going into year 10. Year ten, and they don't have a Cup final appearance. Like this is a this is if it weren't for the Toronto Maple Leafs, this would be the most talked about thing of playoff failures in the current state of the NHL. Like they are getting hidden by the Toronto Maple Leafs' lack of success. But this is a major um, disappointment of failures. I guess some of these like this is a huge deal that you're this far in and. I think Edmonton Oilers are the number one candidate for general manager episode two. Yeah. Because it this is this is something where they made great moves. They were peaking going into playoffs in terms of performance. Such a heater. With great uh it's it 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 is crazy to think that this team just failed so fast in, in the round two. It's just so crazy to think they didn't even dominate round one. They won in six, but like you didn't watch a single game and say this team's going deep. Like they looked great. And I, again, I had a ton of belief in them, but when you look back at it, like this is a huge fail. Like Aiden Hill 
shut down this this team for three games in the second round. Again, I got to turn it to you because I could go for sixty minutes. This just it's just infuriating, and I'm not even an Oilers fan, Greg. No, it's I'm fr- not an Oilers fan. I'm frustrated as well because we know we had a little coin on this, and it would have been huge for the Edmonton Oilers to win. But yeah, like you said, I mean, you've. I, I th- I'm just upset with the goaltending position, and I'm not sure because you did address it. You know, you, obviously Stuart Skinner is a year older, and you thought that he was going to be better, and he was going to be one B. But a guy like Jack Campbell, I mean, you've signed to a long term deal. He's going to be in between the pipes for the next five years, and he's he showed this year like he's not that good. And um, you know, he had the one year uh, in L.A., which you know got him a contract or got him traded to Toronto, and then in Toronto he showed some glimpses. He was an All Star at one point. Then in his second year in Toronto, he really wasn't that great. Now he goes to Edmonton. He's been brutal. You know, can this guy yeah. find and his you know, game? Because you need goaltending in the Greg, playoffs. I, I would, yeah, Greg, I would love to see what Toronto offered him. Because, you know, this this looks like a genius move by Dubas for not signing him. 100%. 100%. They said, listen, we'll go find the market, and we'll bring in a guy like Samsonov, who, you know, from, from all accounts was phenomenal. He did a fantastic yeah. job, obviously, unfortunate injury. And Matt Murray took a flyer on I would say his career is done in the NHL. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Edmonton fans, they've got to be shocked uh, uh, today. And I, Another thing, too, Justin, before we move on, what the heck were the NHL you know, organizers, schedulers thinking about putting that game at oh my 10 God. p.m. Eastern on a Sunday night? You've got Game 7 in Boston at 4.30, or I guess at 3.30 Eastern. Like, yep. who? Why, why wouldn't you put that prime time no. Sunday night? That's an outrageous yeah, call. Yeah, so... So obviously the NBA and NHL aren't working together. So that's like not even a narrative to get into, but three thirty Sunday game seven. Phenomenal. Like NBA knows what they're doing. Like, oh yeah. It's Sunday. People are just hanging out. They're yep. sitting around the house. If you put a game on at three 30, they're going to come in from wherever they're doing. They're going to do their shopping earlier in the day. They might go get brunch with people if they're trying to have an outing or something, but they're going to be back for three 30. And it was a phenomenal game seven Celtics put on a clinic. We'll get into that. Like yep. great job. You, you enjoyed an awesome game, and then you were done by dinner time. Yep. Then you sit in here. Again, I'm in I'm in Rochester visiting my girlfriend. I go for dinner in no rush. Go for a drive. Go play mini putt. Turn around the city. Get home. I got two hours still before this game's on. For a, and I'm in the I'm in Eastern Time Zone, so it's 10 p.m. getting into this game, and the game is ending tomorrow. Like it's ending on Monday morning. When the work week is starting for people, like move that game up, man. Like you obviously you don't have to go into a midday game because it's Western Conference. Why not a 5 p.m. start? They did that already with the Western Conference team. They had a 5 p.m. 7 p.m. start is prime time. Yeah. And, and you're still, if you're a Western Conference fan, you're still enjoying a mid to like dinner time game, which people just don't want to wait around. It, yeah. it was, it was re- interesting to say the least. Horrible decision. Horrible decision. And, you know, I caught the very beginning of it, but that's late for me, man. Like, that, it's an 11, 11 p.m. start, and I've got, you know, the week ahead. So, like you said, yep. you know, you, you could have easily found a little bit of a time slot that was more, you know, more ideal for people on a Sunday uh, to watch hockey. But the Edmonton Oilers, we'll get into it. We'll do, uh, yeah, probably an episode two of the Fanager. You know, I, I'm not overly concerned, you know, with their core, but, I mean, it's just a major disappointment again because, you know, when you've got... Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid in their prime, it's championship or bust, and I don't care what you say. It's championship or bust with those two. I mean, Greg, their core, like, again, the, the Leafs get this attention, but their core is at 10th year McDavid, 9th year Drat, 
I want to say 12th year Nuge or, or maybe, yeah, Nuge around 12th, Nurse around 8-9, like, that, like Hyman's around 8-9. Like, this this is, I know they just got put together in terms of getting Hyman and, like, at home and all that. This hasn't been, like, oh, we're kind of figuring out how to put this team in, in a good spot. This has been together for a long time. For sure. I, I We've just so. seen a little bit more playoff success than the Leafs, and I just, yeah, I like sure. their game a little bit better than the Leafs, but... Honestly, again, you're right. I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen a championship delivered, and we haven't really seen them knocking on the door in the finals yet. But it's kind of one of those cases where you know McKinnon said it. it, it you know, it, I've been almost a decade in this league, and I don't have anything. And then the the year after, yeah. they went and win a cup. So maybe it'll be that way next year. I'm certainly yeah. going to hammer a future for the Edmonton Oilers next year. Uh, yeah. But terrible. So we've got one series set in stone. Uh, Justin, we've got the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. I look at this series and I'm, it really throws my brain in a blender. Uh, we've got yep. two teams that, you know, I would say Carolina uh, pre-playoffs, they were the second best team in the NHL. You're like, okay, this team certainly can get hot and this team can make a lot of noise. But then with the injuries that we talk about every episode, you're like, how are they going to respond? Well, they've been fantastic. Then you've got the, the Panthers who, you know, they've got the hot goaltender. They play a gritty style, that playoff style. What are you looking at in the, in the Panthers-Carolina series? What do you got for predictions here? I'm like you said, this is something where it's so hard to predict the NHL playoffs. It's, it's by far the hardest trophy to win. There's no debate. They show it every single year, the parody in this league and having to win so many games in seven game series is crazy. I'm going to defer to the, uh, the better team throughout the entire year. I'm going to go with Carolina hurricanes. I know I doubted them. We doubted them. The injuries didn't look great. I mean, that's no secret. It wasn't crazy to think, but the fact that now for two rounds they've shown that it's not something that's going to slow them down or hinder them from playing their game, I'm just going to look at them as, as the team they were in the regular season, and that was a top three team in the, in the Eastern Conference. And I'm going to ride with the, the Hurricanes. Freddie Anderson's healthy. He hasn't been for a number of years now, and that's kind of been what stopped them. I think that's a big piece. Their defense is their game. I'm going to go with Carolina. Uh, the better coaching in my eyes and the uh, – um, the, the the deeper team, they just play such a rollover game each line by line. So I'm going to go with the Carolina Hurricanes here, and I'm going to take um, give me s- six games, Carolina and six. Eh? Okay, well yeah. I'll, I'll I'll go against you just just for the just for the content. Yeah. I'm going to take the Florida Panthers yeah. in this one, and I'll take the Florida Panthers in seven games. They've got lightning in a bottle right now, and, and they're feeling good about themselves. And I like the team. I think this is going to be a fantastic series. This is going to be bloodbath hockey. I think that there's going to be everything's going to be earned in this. They're playing for keeps here. They understand what uh, you know, what stage they're on. They're so close to sniffing a cup final. Um, I, it's going to be a really you know exciting series. But I'll take the Florida Panthers in seven. Um, I, I hope Bobrovsky stays hot for them. These could be some low scoring games as well. Um, you know, both offenses don't over don't jump off the page. Um, so I like a lot of unders in the betting world during this series, yeah. uh, you know, with the two good goaltenders and, and a lot of defensively sound hockey, but, uh, we're going to talk about that. The Gudis as well, man. Radko Gudis might be one of the more annoying players. He's such an effective defenseman for the Florida Panthers, man. He has been, what'd you think against the Leafs? Was that, was that interference on, uh, Callie Yonkroke? No, on that game winning goal? No, no, yeah. no, okay. no, not at all. I mean, that's that's a play. That's a very basic play when you're coming into the offensive zone. You you get a stick on. You get it. You jack the stick. You kind of pin the stick. Um, that's not defense. That's not interference. Interference 
uh, is a lot more than that in terms of like bodying a guy, yep. uh, blocking his path. He didn't block his path. He just tied his stick up. Yep. Um, Yarn quick. I know it looks like a little off balance and stuff, but Gudis didn't come in there, throw him off his line or stop him from um, Yarn, Yarn quick second up. I, I didn't, I didn't see the interference. I think that's a little bit of a reach by a lot of people. I saw that a ton uh, for guys trying to like that call. But Gudis's game is well suited for the playoffs, and he's a great part of this Florida team that plays so well offensively that he brings a lot of toughness, a lot of uh, uh, steady defensive play back there. And he, again, he's another guy who's been around the league a long time. Hundred uh, percent, kind of knows his role and plays his role really well. And I feel um, as if if you're playing against him, you're taking note that he's on the ice because he can get you, yeah. you know. And and um, yeah. I don't know if I really loved him yelling in Joseph Wall's face after the series was over, but nevertheless, that Florida Panthers team is 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 going to be fun to watch and. We've got a great Easter Conference final. I think, you know, obviously there are two teams yeah. that we didn't expect and there probably could be uh, uh, some more, you know. With, yeah, with that Go ahead. With that being said, Greg, we're going, yeah. in the, we're going in the conference finals here. Obviously, we still have to wait on Seattle-Dallas. Who would you say are maybe your top two, three? I don't know how many you have in mind, even one, for a Conn Smythe leader right now. I mean, True. obviously, it, it matters who wins, but, like, yeah. even one from each team, like, what? who do you think um, is – something to look at right now as we go into the conference finals for Smythe. Yeah, for me right now, uh, for I, I would have to say for the Florida Panthers, it's Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, you know, he's just been so phenomenal after taking over in game three from Alex Lyon. I think he's been the cornerstone piece, the separation piece for the Florida Panthers. You could maybe throw in Matthew Kachuk, uh, but I think that yeah, he's been a little bit quiet. So. He's been a little quieter on the uh, on yeah. the offensive side in the last few games. I think he is playing with a bit of a hand injury. Uh, I look at the Carolina uh, Hurricanes, and it's Brent Burns for me. I mean, that pivotal game, uh, that second period shot in, in game five to really, you know, take the the, the air out of the balloon, um, you know, in, in New Jersey. I think Brent Burns has been phenomenal. I'm not sure if he's talked about it enough. I don't know if, you know if he's getting enough flowers, but he's been, um, you know, probably the biggest piece for me for Carolina. That's Slavin, too, for Carolina. He's so hard to get by. Yeah. He, he, he rides under the radar. You could maybe throw Ajo in that mix as well. Um, but uh, but I guess out of those two teams, who do you think are leading in the Smythe? Yeah, I'm... I'm- I'm going to say right now the leader for Florida is Kachuk, obviously being fifth in points, and three of the guys leading them are on Edmonton. So right now it's Hintz and Kachuk for leading playoffs of points. But I think you hit it on the head. I think going forward it's going to have to come from Bobrovsky. So I could see Bobrovsky like passing him, if you might say, right, for Florida's Conn Smythe. Um, so I think I think you're right. I think it's between Kachuk and, and Bobrovsky on Florida. For Carolina, a different way. The leader in points at Carolina is Ajo at 10, which is which is like, tied for like 20th in, in playoff. So I'm looking at Anderson. I'm looking at a guy who kind of is in, in, in net for a team that plays so well defensively. He's going to have low goals against numbers. He's going to have a higher save percentage. And like we kind of mentioned with like Sveshnikov being out and stuff, this is a team I think is going to rely on the defensive play. So I think that's going to favor Freddie Anderson. But with that being said, I didn't, I didn't even see snipe that, but you're right, Brent Burns, because he kind of does it both. He's going to be looked at as, his expected goals while on the ice, both defensively and offensively. So I think that's going to be another name to keep an eye on. So I like Freddie Anderson and Brent Burns for Carolina for sure. Yeah, it's uh, that's exciting. I mean, those we'll have to maybe uh, pick out some future bets uh, for the listeners as well, uh, potentially to to sprinkle for that. Uh, but but let's move into the NBA quarter three. Yep. Um, we got to talk about John Morant here quickly, Justin. Um, before we get into the playoff series. So John Moran, obviously we know he was suspended for uh, just over a week. I think how many games, eight games actually it was, I think uh, towards the end of the season, yeah. uh, there's been various events uh, with John Moran involving firearms, involving uh, assaults. And, uh, and, and this weekend he's caught on Instagram live, uh, you know, flashing a handgun around in a friend's car. 
Um, the Memphis Grizzlies released a statement saying that they will be, you know, doing the, he'll be facing some disciplinary uh, action for a guy too that, that came back after his suspension this year. And he talked about going to counseling and he talked about being a better human being. And he talked about, um, you know, just being a little reckless outside of, of the NBA. It's pretty disappointing to see this uh, from a guy like John Morant. Um, you know, it's uh, it's really a tough scene, and, and I don't know if it goes to the people that he's hanging out with, the people that he's surrounding himself with outside of uh, of basketball, but it's not a, a good look. It seems, and it's, it's not yeah, a good look. It seems soft, doesn't it? Don't you think it seems soft? Like, I mean, he's getting in trouble. It's a crime. It, it's getting him suspended. But, like, it seems so for show. It's, it's like for a show he's trying to put, like a persona he's trying to put on. Yeah. Like, it's not even something where we're, we're, we're like, I don't even know how to compare it, but it's like some guys obviously commit crimes. Like, look at Henry Ruggs. Terrible yep. decision. Brutal. Brutal. Going to go to jail for a long time. Rightfully so. DUI. Killed a person. It just absolutely brutal. Yep. And then Morant is just making these silly small decisions to flash a gun around. And he's not doing anything with it, which thank God he's not hurting anyone. I'll say that. Yep. Thank God. But like, it's like he's, he wants to be doing this. Like, I, I like to think that like, it's not even like it's a bad decision. It's like he's intentionally making this bad decision. It's so strange to even, like, compare it or, like, analyze it because it just makes no sense. It's, uh, it's I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing, really. Um, for a guy who is just so talented and is one of the younger faces of the NBA and has done such great things with this Memphis Grizzlies team. I mean, they've had just phenomenal years in the back in back-to-back seasons, but I mean, I think you're really worried about a guy like John Morant and I think that he does need help. Uh, I don't know what that looks like. And I, I, I don't know. And I know it's you know, some people are probably going to listen to this and sound like it's just a gun, you know, and he's just kind of, yeah, but it's, it's not. I mean, you know, you're a professional athlete making, you know, millions of dollars. And if you want it to be or not, you're a role model for a lot of young citizens. And, and, um, and, and two, I think it would be, you know, one thing if he was just dancing around with the gun, but he, he, you know, he was, you know, at, it's rumored that a situation, and this hasn't gone anywhere either, that there was a high school basketball player at his house and kind of hit him in yep. the face accidentally. And he went in the house and grabbed a gun and, and was threatening a high school player with a gun. Ridiculous. And, and so it's a, it's a horrible situation, Justin. It really Very is. And what do you know about this? I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think through it as I'm reading guys. So I just pulled it up. He, he just, he signed a five-year deal, 194 million, 194 million. He lost out on the all NBA. So he lost another 40 million there. Uh, Cause it would have went up. Yeah. But is there like this contract hasn't started yet? I don't know. Is there any like rules? Is there any like in writing? If you have problems with the law before this starts, like, like is there anything could be in jeopardy? Like it hasn't started yet. I would think that uh, that yeah, if, if you are ending, if you are conducting the way he is outside of the basketball world, I could see yeah, I yeah. could see this contract being void, and, and that's worrisome for a guy like this. And oh yeah. man, uh, you like what are you thinking? What are you only, thinking? Like he's only he was only on a rookie deal so far. Like if this thing gets voided, this guy made like three years money on a rookie deal and just gave away $200 million. Like I would be shocked. I know we haven't seen much of it for these pro sports. It's kind of amazing. That's a separate conversation to have how many guys break the law and don't get like punishment on their contract as much. But like, I just don't understand how you write a guy up for $200 million to be uh, the face of your franchise. 
and this guy could commit crimes and et cetera and just get paid and no jeopardy his contract. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's more to it. Obviously, I don't know, which I'm sure there is, but just stunning to me that this guy ha- is just able to do these things <laughs> and, and the contract's just going to be paid. It's uh, it's obnoxious, but uh, we'll see what happens to John Morant, uh, and we'll see what disciplinary he faces. Um, you know, we already had an eight-game suspension. We'll see what happens now with him flashing a gun around in his buddy's car. Let's move into uh, the uh, the playoff series because we do have uh, the, the conference final set. Um, let's talk about uh, the Lakers and Golden State for a second here. Uh, obviously, the Lakers get by in six games. Um, man, the Golden State Warriors really weren't that fantastic this season. We knew we know about their terribly terrible road play, uh, which yep. ended up inevitably being um, something that haunted them in the playoffs as well. Clay Thompson, three of nineteen in Game Six, not good enough. They just couldn't really get their big guns all performing in you know in in one game. Um, you know you'd you'd have a game from Clay, and you'd have a game from Steph. You need everybody yeah. going. Um, obviously the Lakers, uh, Anthony Davis, that situation with the wheelchair was obnoxious, but he had a an okay game. LeBron, fantastic game. <laughs> um, the Lakers move on to the um, to the conference finals. I don't foresee them having an overly competitive series with the Denver Nuggets, but they're moving on. And and did you see yeah. anything from the Golden State? Obviously, it was a fun series to watch LeBron versus Clay or LeBron versus Steph. But I thought it was overall a little underwhelming. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I got to give a lot of credit to Steph Curry. Um, I'm not saying this as if like he's done or this is the last we're going to see of uh, Steph Curry, which is by far, um, this is far from the truth, but. This guy is almost feel like a year and a, a year now, a full year, I'd say. Obviously, he had a lot more help in last year's playoffs, but no, even last year's playoffs, it was the Steph Curry show. Like he brought them to that ring, one hundred percent. And this year during the season, like there's been obviously guys in and out with injuries, and this playoff run, Clay's not what he used to be to that degree, and Draymond's obviously far from what he was. There's no Iguodala, there's no Kevin Durant. And this guy remains that rock for Golden State. Again, we talk about Dirk Nowitzki and what he was for the Mavericks. Steph Curry is a day one Golden State Warrior and has just been an absolute stalemate and a steal, honestly, for for the Golden State in that draft pick and exactly what you want from a pick. So I give a lot of credit to Steph Curry. I've become more and more of a fan of Steph Curry every season that goes by, even in the situation like this where they lose because he just is an absolute dominant piece. He had a 50-point game in the playoffs. He's been over 30 a bunch. It's just awesome to see uh, uh, Steph Curry Show us history and be one of the all-time greats probably in the game. I'd say I I got him maybe top 20, 25. Maybe I got to look into it, but I, I think he's a, an absolute stud of the game. So either way, I want to give my kudos to Steph Curry because he is so fun to watch and he remains one of the greatest. 100%. No, he, he, I mean, he did everything he could. And I love Steph as well. I mean, he changed the game. He's, he's, you know, the best three point shooter in the history of the game. Even when he handles the ball, when, when Steph's feeling it, he's got to be one of the more electrifying players to watch. No doubt about it. But they, uh, they're out, and the Lakers are moving on. And, and last night, we'll talk about the uh, Game 7, Boston versus Philadelphia. Um, Miami Heat take care of the Knicks. They're waiting to see who wins this Game 7. And honestly, the first half is very competitive. Back-and-forth basketball. The Sixers go up by 10, I think, in the first quarter. The Celtics come back, close the gap. Yeah. It's kind of a, a very close game and a half, three-point game and a half. And then what the heck happened in the third quarter? 33 so, to 10. Yeah. For the Celtics. Brutal. Pretty much ended the game. Yep. And man, I like for me, this was something where, sorry, like just before we get to third quarter, yep. end of the second quarter, something to know. Uh, Sixers were up by eight points. James Harden loses the ball as he's driving to the rim, flails his arm out, gets a technical foul, foul 
Celtics hit both free throws. They get the ball back, hit the two, get one stop, hit another two, and all of a sudden it's a two-point game. That, for me, going into the half was absolutely massive because Celtics were able to just come back from two uh, eight points, basically on, three, on two possessions, really, and go into the half up by two at the end. But... I think that was a huge swing going into, like you said, the third quarter where they just absolutely dominated. We've got to come up with our like TSN turning point, like maybe like the DI deciding factor. Um, yeah, that, that was, was that was the DI deciding factor was the end of the <laughs> half. Uh, James Harden play there, but um, no man, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, the DI deciding factor of the game. Uh, but uh, James uh, James Harden nine points, uh, Joel Embiid fifteen points. It's just not going to get it done in 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 game 7 and and I mean I got to talk about Jason Tatum 51 points the most points ever by a games in a game 7 by by any player 51 so uh, you know Jason Tatum had a phenomenal game um you know when those guys Humbly. are cooking when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are cooking, and they're just deep, man. They got Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench. You got Marcus Smart being an absolute dog. I don't know if you saw Marcus Smart yeah. after the game. He wears a full-on like NHL chest piece on his Under Armour for drawing charges. It's hilarious. <laughs> like you know, like you look at Sid, and Sid's got the shoulder pads yeah. and like his Under Armour. He's got a full-on chest pad under his jersey just for drawing. Committed to it. Oh, just committed to it. Absolute dog. <laughs> but you love to see it from the Celtics. Justin, we called seven games. We both felt it. And yeah. uh, and the Celtics are moving on to take on the Miami Heat. Let's move into these conference final series. I don't think either of these series are going to be overly competitive. I think that the Celtics are going to wow. take care of the Heat quickly, and I think the Nuggets are going to okay. take care of the Lakers quickly. But I'll let you get into the predictions here first. Okay, so um, I don't disagree with you a ton. I think the Celtics Miami Heat one. I'm dead. I'm I'm right on with you. Um, I'm going to take for me. It's going to be Celtics, and I'm going to say five games, and I'm going to say because. I think the 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 flame for the Heat has to go out eventually, and I think this is where it ends. I think unbelievable storyline, uh, unbelievable to see Jimmy Butler do what he's been doing, but he even showed he slowed down substantially in that second round. This wasn't the Jimmy Butler carrying the Heat uh, series against the Knicks, and the Knicks had their own troubles. They had Julius Randle just not showing up uh, in the same way. They rely on their defense a lot, which didn't really sh- impress in the, in that second round. And I, I just think the Celtics do what the Heat do, but at a much, much higher rate, defensively especially, and then they have a better superstar uh, in Jason Tatum. I'm going to take them in, in five games, maybe six, but I'm going to take them in five. I can see a sweep here, but I'm going to take them in five. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I think the matchup works better. I think they have more depth for Celtics. Uh, if we want to stay on this series, what, what are you taking? I mean, you're a Celtics guy. Um, are you taking them in three? I guess you've taken them in three uh, with, with being a Celtics guy, but what are you thinking? Yeah, I don't know if I have the nuts to say it's going to be a sweep, but I think if the Celtics yeah. bring that defensive game that they've shown and can shut down Butler and take him out of the game, I mean, how can you not really like the Celtics in this series? They've been the better team all year. They're the better team on paper. They've been, I would say, the better team in the playoffs. They've beat the better teams. I'm going to take the Boston yeah. Celtics in a quick one as well. I'll, you know what? I'm putting my, I'll, I'll bring out the brooms. Give me the brooms and give me the Celtics in four. Give me the Let's Celtics go. in four. They fly through this series. I think they take care of the it. heat. And uh, so we've got Celtics in five, Celtics in four. Let's move over. Hey, to, hey go ahead. Greg, Greg we're, we're, I mean, we're, yeah, we say we're hesitant. And, and yeah, they're in the conference final. But this is, this is a, what, a two versus seven eight seed? 
or two eight? Se- no, yeah. eight. eight. It is eight. This is so a like, two versus eight. You're, yeah. You're, what? You're taking a sweep in a two versus eight. So yeah. Celtics would have played Heat round one. Yeah. I would. I would bet you would have taken a sweep. So like, it's not that crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Obviously, like Eastern Conference, whatever. But like. They put Jalen Brown, excuse me, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart on Jimmy Butler. That's a great defensive matchup, and it doesn't change anything in terms of what else they have. Yeah. I think a sweep isn't crazy. I'm going five, but I don't think it's crazy. Another handful is when they've got uh, Horford and Robert Williams on the court as well. Yeah. It's just a lot of size to deal with, um, you know, and yeah, you've got, it's their deep, man. Uh, I really like their team, but uh, let's move over to the Lakers Nuggets. Jokic has just been phenomenal, man. And, like, he just shows series after series. Like, this guy's... I mean, how can you not say he's a top three player in the NBA right now? He's just so phenomenal. Back-to-back MVPs. Probably could have been three in a row. But I don't, yeah. I'm don't. i not going to disagree that Embiid was there. But I would say Jokic is right there. Uh, we've seen 50-point triple-doubles from him last series. And you got the Lakers who are feeling good about themselves. Anthony Davis is, is back, and, and he's playing healthy, and he's playing well. LeBron James is, you know, obviously LeBron James. He's still a top player in the NBA. He's phenomenal. He's doing Insane. it at age 37. It's just incredible to see. I I look at the Nuggets team though, man, and I think that Jokic is too much of a problem. Um, I, I I do like Go their Greg. depth. Yeah, I, I like the Nuggets in six games here. I do think that LeBron finds a little magic. AD has a game. Maybe they grab two. Maybe they grab two at home, and uh, it's similar to that last series that we watched the Suns grab two at home. But the Nuggets saying, "Listen, we're better." They games they grab five five and six. I'm gonna say Nuggets in six. It could be Let's quicker. Go. It could be quicker, but I'm gonna take the Nuggets in six in this one. Greg, welcome to the Nuggets bandwagon. We've yep. been waiting for you. Yeah, absolutely. I've been I'm showing my 12-inch vertical hopping on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on it. I got a, I got a suite in the upper level of this Nuggets bandwagon yep. uh, right now, and because I've been on it since Christmas time. But I'm I got I got a little of a hesitation here. Nothing to do with the on-court play. Boston Celtics versus Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James going for his fifth ring. Jason Tatum and, and the young dynasty to be against the, the the great historic franchise. Tell me that narrative doesn't scare you a bit. It, being a being a Nuggets picker, right? Like that's what I'm doing. I'm picking the Nuggets and I'm staying on the Nuggets. But yeah, oh god. As soon as I saw Celt- as soon as I saw Celtics when beat the 76ers, I was like, oh my God, this league, this league and the, the NBA, like this just this is like it's it, it's the like biggest rivalry show. in basketball, is yeah. it not? The Lakers Celtics? Oh, 100%. They have, to be. they have the most championships. They've yep. gone at it the most. This league is like a TV show. The writer, the writer would get a raise for writing LeBron James on the Lakers being somehow involved at some point in the Celtics Lakers rivalry. Yep. And he hasn't yet. Yep. And that scares me in terms of a narrative, but in terms of on the court play, Nikola Jokic is a 50-year-old father who is playing in a double AU 14 year old kids league. And that's what it looks like every time he has the ball in the paint, he goes up against the best teams. Some of the best defenders in the league. He does this little back to the defender. Hey, let me just take a turn here. I'm just going to drop this in the bucket. And you just see it six times in a row. Then the next two times down the floor gets the ball kicks wide it. open pass, pass to a guy wide open, just yep. a little dunk dip pass as if the other guys on the floor don't know what the basketball is. It makes no sense to me. I think it's the funniest thing ever. It's probably the most entertaining thing to watch because I've ever seen a player as great as Jokic, two-time MVP, going on possibly to win a championship, and I could laugh. I could, like, laugh watching him play. It's just so funny. But with all that being said, 
I'm going Nuggets in seven. But I'm going to say this right here, right now. I am afraid of this Lakers-Celtics narrative of that being the finals. I'm petrified of it. I really am. I mean, that would be so compelling. That would be so fun to watch. But we've got two good series here. Um, I'm excited to watch these two series. Uh, I'm almost a little bit more excited to watch these conference finals than I am the hockey series. Greg, I was just going to say, okay, we got Seattle, 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 Dallas, whatever, okay, against yep. Vegas. So yep. expansion team versus possibly expansion team yep. against Panthers in South Florida against Carolina without any of their stars, okay? Well, they got Burns and Ajo, but yep. without their major goal scorer. That's the NHL, okay? Then you got the two-time MVP number one seed going up against the greatest of all time and his continued story and ratings that he brings in the biggest market in the NBA, possibly in, the, in L.A., Yep, and then you got Boston, again the number two dynasty uh, uh, franchise rings, uh, all that, all time against an eight seed to bring that compelling Cinderella story. It's you got the hardest trophy to win with anything that happens against the greatest written movie to ever happen in the NBA. It feels like. Yep, and I you're right. I, I'm probably more interested to see how the uh, uh, the Golden State Lakers series goes here than maybe Panthers, Carolina, Seattle, or and Vegas. It's it's going to be exciting, man. It really is. Um, but uh, let's move into to quarter four, Justin. I mean, we've got a ton of uh, a basketball and NHL left. And, uh, you know, it's, it may not be as captivating on both sides, but, you know, we'll be tuned in. You know, we'll be watching. We'll be giving out best bets. Let's move into quarter four here. We're going to talk a little bit about the MLB. Obviously, it's it's still in the, you know, the you know end of the first quarter, where however you want to put it. Um, but we talked about this two episodes ago, Justin. Uh, a pitcher getting hit in the face. Well, that happened yeah. again last night. Ryan Felter, a cracked skull on a comebacker. Is it time? Is it time that the pitchers start thinking about wearing a bucket, start wearing anything? Or are these just two freak accidents? Because, I mean, this is twice now. These are like four incidents yeah. in the MLB this season where people have been hit in the face and seriously injured. I don't know. I mean, we see the MLB changing almost faster than any other professional game. Is it time for these guys to shoot up? Like, what are you thinking here? Because, or is this just a complete freak accident? No, for sure. And for, I just want to say, touch, I'm going to talk, talk about this quick. Remind me, I went to a triple A baseball game here in Rochester. Yeah, Remind yeah. me just as soon as we've done this, oh, I want the, to talk about what you just said about the, the game, the game, the automated umpires there in triple A, so right? A bunch of it. So we'll get yeah. into it next. But in terms sure. of the pitcher getting hit, man. Yeah. I still think they're freak accidents. I, okay. I really do. We don't see it every day. That's when it becomes a big issue. But still, this is this is hard to watch. These Oof. are massive uh, um, injuries. But I wonder, they're not going to wear helmets. I can't see them wearing helmets. I wouldn't like them to wear helmets. But here's what I wonder. like Without the baseball hat becoming giant, is there no way to have like maybe a plate system, something on the head at least where if a ball is coming, maybe it becomes instinctual to kind of dip that crown of the head down where you have protection on there again i don't, I don't know maybe it sounds dumb the balls are coming back so fast yeah i don't know i, I can't see them wearing a face mask or nothing like that I, not remove whether or not they should do you see that ever happening do you I, I don't know i have no idea i don't know which direction because if we see like like what like what happens like obviously uh feltner you know croc skull major concussions like what happens if he dies on the mound yeah, there. I know. I know. You I, mean, know what? I mean, if he dies, it's 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 going to be an immediate change. Yeah. Like, that offseason, it would be. I, you're right. I mean, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, because, game, like. But, 
I mean, you're, we're looking at a cracked skull. We're looking at you know major injuries. Probably not returning this season twice in the last few weeks. What about the what about the uh, in the home run derby um, with that? Uh, you know, with the, um, you know, you know, that yeah, device the, that they the, put the, out the net, the net, the pitching net. I yeah. mean, it, uh, that, that brings up some issues about, uh, ball and play. Obviously. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. But, but here's what, here's what I struggle with. And the ball's coming up faster because they're hitting the, they're, they're stronger athletes. They're yep. throwing it faster, but like the pitcher's the same distance away. They're hitting the ball from the same line of where the pitch has been pitching forever. Like I just have trouble to think that like, it's going to be a reoccurring this is an evolution of the game. Yeah. But I wonder is, is the evolution factor, how hard these pitchers getting hit where now they're actually like cracking skulls and stuff. Like maybe they've gotten hit before and it's like, that's a bruise, maybe a yeah. concussion, which still aren't ideal. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. like now we're breaking skulls and jaws and everything. Cause they're hitting it so hard, which I could see that, but I just can't imagine a world where I'm watching an MLB game and you got 32 year old Verlander standing there with the, a mask on, but yep. I guess the NHL has evolved. The NHL had no helmets. Now they have helmets. Now they have visors. So like, I guess we've seen it in sports. It's just something that I can't picture, but it's something's got to be done. I, you can't have these guys. They're, they're standing in the line of fire. Yeah. Well, think about telling your grandfather that uh, there'd be a robot behind the plate instead of an umpire. You know, sure. things For change, sure. and, and I'm not sure if that's going to be a big change. But talk about it a little bit. Obviously, you went to uh, you know Rochester game, yeah. you saw a AAA game, and I know that they've implemented the automated umps. You know, what was that yeah. like as a fan? What like what you know? What is that like? What does that look like? Okay, automated umpire, unbelievable. I love it. This is, but this is how they do it though. Uh, obviously, you hear them talk about these things, but you don't necessarily know how it's set up. And I didn't know going to this game um, how it works. At least right now in AAA and where we're at with it is. You get three challenges a game. So three times in a game, the I they didn't make it clear. They said that the either the pitcher, batter, or catcher had to challenge it. I guess I don't know why it's not the manager. I mean, I, I think what they're trying to focus on is it has to happen rapidly, the challenge. So yep. then like they can't be in the dugout like checking to know for sure and then challenge it. So I think that's a factor. Anyways, you immediately have to challenge it. So as soon as the pitch hits the catcher, as soon as the ump goes uh strike or, or ball, you have to challenge it right away. What happens then is on the jumbotron, which is electric when it happens. So the challenge comes in. They go the 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 pitch is being challenged for a review. Everyone turns to the jumbotron. This thing was in the outfield, so all the players turn to look at the outfield. It goes pitch under review. Shows like the backstop of the mound, the home plate with the the with the grid, right? The yep. strike the strike zone grid, and it shows the ball coming in from the mound doing its movement and where it hits on that grid. It stops whether if it's on the grid, it stops outside the grid, whatever, and shows the distance it missed, maybe whatever it is. Like if yep. it's on, shows it, says it says on the screen, strike, ball, all done. Continue the game from now it being changed to a ball or a strike. If it's if it's correct, if you challenged it, if you challenged the ball and it's a strike, you get all three still. Yep. If you miss it, you're now down to two, et cetera, et cetera. So I loved it because it wasn't something where like they're only using automated umpires. It wasn't something where like a ball's being called and like they're getting a call in that, Hey, that was wrong. Change it. Like it's only something you got to use the challenge with. And we've seen it in all other sports. It's pretty electric. And it, it only happened three times last game. There wasn't many that they were like arguing for. And it was pretty electric to be, to, to kind of like look up at the thing and be like, where did this pitch go? And it was, I think the umpires were right for, 
two of them and one was one was a successful challenge so it's the same technology that they use like in tennis for example like if a tennis ball is out or in and they challenge you could see yeah which they've had this technology for over 10 years like i remember watching like in my high school days watching an mlb game just with the player box just on the website like i forget what they call it but they need that in the nhl as well we move back to the morgan rally goal where's the puck in, compared to the line, let's go upstairs and look at this view. Like they have they the technology have in it's, soccer, they use it in, in soccer. soccer. Like it's crazy. You can't tell me that they can't have an audio system that they hear the whistle. Yep. And then wherever the puck is, they stop the frame. Yeah. Whistle comes in, stop the frame on video. Then they have that machine that goes along the goal line. Yep. Goal or no goal. Exactly. Like, it's uh, it could be very quick, and uh, they need that technology in the NHL. I, I'm sure that that will be talked about during the off season, just due to the fact to. that we saw it. But yeah, I mean, I I think I like the idea of an automated ump. I mean, we talk about it all game. Like obviously, I, I've been on both sides of this. I know the human error yeah. aspect and different yeah. umpires yeah. call games differently. Whereas if pitchers are going to be, be okay, they understand that you know uh, they're going to be a little bit more favorable to the left side of the of the box. You know, that's where you're going to be able to get some strikes on the outside of the box. On the right side, you got to be a little bit more inside because he's calling it more strict. Anyway, just taking yeah. that all out, I do like though. This is a this is your strike zone. Hit it. I do like that idea. We'll see what happens. Um, and and I think that's the misconception is. If you have three challenges, okay, maybe the MLB starts with two challenges or one challenge just to kind of work in it. But there's an element of baseball here of setup pitches, like uh, uh, put guys in a certain spot. So, like, they're not challenging. They don't want every pitch to be a strike. Like, the, the pitchers and catchers aren't challenging every ball when it's on the edge because there's an element of still setup pitches, yep. get a guy uh, looking high on a fastball because they're going to bring him in with a change up low. It was fast and easy. It happened minimal amount of times. Just a quick look at the board. Come back to play. I thought it worked out perfect. As long, again, I think that you still have the human error because like you can still throw a pitch that's called a ball on a strike mid game, but it's not worth the challenge at that point, right? So I thought it was a great dynamic. I was I was very impressed. Ah, I, I like that you like it because I I think it's inevitable at this point. It's coming. Uh, it's coming to the yeah. MLB. Uh, just continue on the MLB. Bryce Harper uh, celebrating his 30th birthday. He, man, he made it crazy. He had Tommy John surgery over the summer. I think it was like 150 days or something recovered. They were talking about how freakish that recovery was. He gets ejected on his birthday in a big brawl. <laughs> I wanted to talk about MLB brawls for for uh, a minute here. It has got to be the most outrageous scene in sports. I don't know if we've talked about it together, Justin, where you know, there's there's a, a slight confrontation between the batter and the hitter or anywhere's in the field, a manager yelling. Yep. And both teams, we're talking about relief pitchers, <laughs> dugouts. We're talking about 150 people on the field and nothing happens 99% of the time. I think that there needs to be a punch thrown if if like if you're gonna leave the dugout, it's because like anyway, you've got to throw at least one punch. Anyway, like I want to, I I do find it hilarious, but it's just such a yeah. big pause in the game for nothing to happen. And, and obviously, too, we see like maybe once a year where there's actually a nice yeah. exchange, nice heated exchange. Uh, but I mean, it was a uh, you know obviously Bryce Harper is going to be serving a one game suspension. Um, but I wish there was a little bit more rough stuff in the MLB. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's obviously something where they don't want it in. So I think that's the big dy- dynamic is that, like they get suspended pretty good if they do it. So I think that's a problem because NHL, I mean, it was, it was just a five-minute penalty and you're back in the game. Now it, sometimes it could be a little bit more, obviously, with nurse instigating all that stuff. But um, I think baseball would be electric. Can you imagine just like 
Bryce Harper gets hit with a pitch on his birthday and he's just like, pitch, we're going. And like, yep. they, and they're just like left to it. And like, it's just them two in the middle of the baseball field. Oh, just man. Absolutely going at it. And like the umpires are waiting, like kind of NHL, they're waiting yep. for them to finish and then they get in there. And that would be the, I think that'd be the funniest thing. Ever. And like, it's like a goalie fight where the pitcher could stay in and keep pitching after the fight. That'd be just, I think that'd be the funniest thing ever. I think the the ratings would go up. You'd have complaints, but the ratings would go up. Oh, hundred percent. I, it would be, it'd be worrisome for, for pitchers because you'd be throwing righties and throwing lefties or, and, and if your knuckles get a little, if you broke a hand, I mean, I, it, there'd Imagine be some issues. Like, Imagine hey. Red Sox, Yankees, Ortiz is just scrapping uh, S- Sabathia one game, like in a playoff game. Just, just Ortiz is charging Sabathia and they just left to it. Oh, man, it would be unbelievable content. I don't think there's a world that we'll ever get to see that. But um, anyway, I find MLB Brawl is just the funniest. Uh, just yeah. just kind of continuing on in the MLB, Justin. The Blue Jays, huge series against the Braves. Talk about it. Uh, Anthopolis in town with his Braves. The Jays sweep yep. them. Huge, huge series for the Jays as the AL East continues to stack up. But the Rays, who obviously are off to an absolute heater, they lose Rasmussen uh, out of their rotation. Yeah. I mean, after a big win, he goes on the 60-day IL. I mean, this is just right away, obviously, a very serious injury for uh, for Rasmussen. Um, but this AL East, man, it's just such a shit show. It's it's very, every series is so important at this point. But the Jays sweeping the Braves, that I mean, that can't go overlooked. I mean, that's a great series win by the Jays. Yeah, and it's so early, but uh, and we say it a bunch. We're 40 games in now, but it's kind of starting to unfold the way we kind of uh, been talking about it. Rays are sitting comfortable at the one. I do think that's a big loss, but they're one of the better pitching organizations in the league, so I think they do have the ability to bring up some depth and survive that without them. Um, but the Orioles are only two games ahead of the Jays and and four games ahead of the Yankees, so I do still think it's going to be Rays, J- Rays, Jays, Yankees, in some sort of variation as top three, probably Rays. Honestly, I can see it in that order. Rays, Jays, then Yankees. But I can yep. also see Rays, Yankees, Jays. But everyone's kind of freaking out about the Yankees, 23 and 19. That's not crazy. I mean, you can't tell me some divisions, any, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't tell me that any great team in a 40-game stretch in the MLB hasn't gone about that 25 and 15-ish area. So, like, I'm not too worried. Uh, again, it's a marathon. Uh, we're going to get into it deeper and deeper here as the NHL NBA finish and, and, and kind of – get more inverse in, in it. But yeah, AL East is just showing their dominance, which is electric. And obviously just Bryce Harper coming back is huge for Phillies as they move to second and the New York Mets are now fourth in that division. So <laughs> a lot of great stuff going on right now for the MLB and pirates 22, huh, 19 talk about sniffing that one out by, uh, by the DI group here and, and the arch man. Yeah, they've come back to earth, which we expected, and which uh, Archer will give him credit. Obviously, uh, got it done, um, but no, it's <laughs> it's going to be exciting, man. These divisions are uh, some of them are very competitive. Like that, that NL, that NL East is going to be just a bloodbath. Um, you know, you got a lot of teams yep. in the mix there. Uh, but I did want to mention Zach Grinke. Obviously, he's a name that you know we'll recognize for the last decade. He's been he's been around. Um, you know, he becomes the fifth pitcher in history. Fifth pitcher in history to strike out a thousand different batters this list nolan ryan randy johnson greg maddox and roger clemens is that any good from zach rinke is that any good wow that's insane and kudos to him because he's kind of been moving around lately he's on the royals royals right now yep um which obviously you'd love to see him on a contender more so but hey unbelievable that is phenomenal incredible 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 stuff from zach rinke well 
Listen, Justin, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've got a huge week. We've got conference finals in the NBA and NHL. We've got the second major of the year in the PGA Tour we're excited about. Uh, listen, everybody, go five-star the episode. And, uh, and we'll be back later in the week. Justin, it's always a pleasure, dude. Awesome. Have a good one.